Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Flyers Nation show. I'm your host for this episode, Carrie Dunphy, filling in for Alexa Ross. We have a big show for you today. Please welcome back Eric Reese and Larry Flowers to the show. And joining us now is our special guest this episode, former Flyers forward, Nate Thompson. Nate Thompson, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah, we're very excited to talk to you today. How, is, how have things been as far as, uh, you know, watching this season? Like, what are some observations you have heading into the postseason? It's wide open. I, I think you look at the West, the Western Conference, you look at the Eastern Conference, and, um, I mean, really, you could go through, I think, 10 teams that potentially could win the Stanley Cup this year. Um, so I think it's going to be a exciting stretch run here down at the end, you know, coming down to the wire because you're going to see teams in the West fighting for first, and, um wild cards in the east it's just going to be uh it's going to be pretty exciting so i think it's supposed to be, i think it will be a very good playoffs the current state of the flyers i mean this is just a broad kind of jump a broad kind of approach into uh the obvious question but what just what are some of your opinions on the current state of the flyers and are they headed in the right direction with tortorella as the coach for a rebuild put me on the hot seat uh, yeah <laughs> yeah I mean I'll, I'll go back to where I think this kind of started and and I mean it, see I Chuck Chuck Fletcher as a guy great human being great man um, did yeah he probably needed to be let go with everything that's gone on and, and how it's gone so far for the Flyers I mean I look back on some of the moves that he made and you know every GM will say at the deadline you know, teams are going to hit home runs and teams are going to really, really, really fail. And it happens every year. It happens with free agency as well. Um, you know, unfortunately, this the league, the way it, where it's at now is you have to develop the draft. You just have to. Because if you chase free agents and you start you keep chasing free agents, it's just going to catch up to you and you're going to be in a, in a world of hurt. And, uh, you know, I think the Flyers are in that situation right now where um, – you know, they're kind of in that in between where it's do we rebuild or do we kind of retool it and figure it out with within what we have uh, with also make probably having to make some moves. Um, I, looking back on it, I, I think Chuck did a really good job. I and mean, you look at that year during COVID, we had a really good team. Um, and you look at all over the last couple of years, uh, part of it's part of it's bad luck, really, really bad luck. I mean, Flyers fans might say different, but I, I look at it as you look at it, you know, some of the deals he made with like a Ryan Ellis. I mean, what if Ryan yeah. Ellis is, what if Ryan Ellis, what if Ryan Ellis is healthy, wrist aligned, all these guys that he trades for, and we stay healthy with Couturier and yeah. um, all the guys that we lost even when I was there last season, it's all four centers at one, at one point. And we had no, our four centers out for two months. And you look at all these different things that, maybe would have gone different who knows right and it's it's easier it's easier said than done um but i think where the flyers are at now they're in a they're in a tough situation where it's they have to make some decisions on some guys they're probably gonna have to make some changes and but i do think they do have some young pieces in their lineup right now that are going to be very good and very good for the future um but yeah i, I think they're just in this they're going to, they're into a big reassessment mode, I think, after this season. But I do think having a guy like John Tortorella is a good thing. I think it's a good thing for kind of the direction of where the team is headed. I think it's 
having a guy like that that demands a lot of his players and some of these young guys you know need to learn the, how to play the right way Tortorella is the right guy for that job I think I, I think his philosophy and how he is and I know everyone says you know <laughs> Torts is a dinosaur or whatever he is but I mean everything from what I've heard and I played with guys that I played for him um I think, and from guys talking to guys on the Flyers, guys like him, man. They, you know, they, they, they know that uh, he is, he is what he is, and you just have to play a certain way, and and uh, and it all, and all will work out. So I do think Torch is the right guy for the job. I just think that they have some, they have some uh, decisions they have to make, and I think Torch. I, I read something today. Torch came out and said, you know, there's, there's going to have to be some, some subtractions from our roster before there are any additions. But I found that interesting coming from Torts. Um, but he's right. I mean, they're going to have to make some decisions. I uh, no, First of all, Tomer, thanks for coming on, man. If you guys don't know, Tomer's one of my best boys, and uh, this is really exciting to have him on. Um, Flyers Nation, uh, big fan favorite in a lot of different ways when you were playing in Philly, buddy. So it's good to have you on, man. Um, thanks, buddy. Yeah, no, NHL's wide open this season. You know, you can almost say that almost every year, right? I mean, obviously there's, a, there's always a few elite mm-hmm. teams every year in the NHL, but – Fuck, you get you get one series going, you get one hot goalie, you get a team that just decides to play really physical brand of hockey. I mean, anything can happen. That was that's what makes a, the NHL playoffs so special. It's different from any other you know playoff in any other sport. Um, that's when the men come out to play, and uh, as you know, Tomer, you, you, only men are, are standing at the very end. And uh, yeah. you've been you've been close too, man. You've been real close. But you know the NHL playoffs playoffs are incredible, and AT can win it. Once you coin it, any any anyone's got a chance. Just just get in a dance. Yeah, I, I think you're right. It's it's honestly when I look back on my NHL career, like the most fun times of playing hockey was in the playoffs, and even when you're fighting for a playoff spot. And you said it. I mean, to win a Stanley Cup, I don't know if people understand. Like, you have to be a little lucky too. Like, it's for sure. You have to play well. Obviously, you got to be playing the right, playing well, playing well at the right time going into the playoffs, to, and be able to continue that. You have to stay healthy, and your goalie's got to play exceptionally well, where he has to probably win you some games. And and then on the other side of that, it's luck. And, and I look at some of the runs I've been on, and it's kind of been a little <laughs> bit of both, where 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 we just maybe weren't healthy enough, or we just ran out of luck, and. Cause it could have really gone either way for some of the teams I've been on. So that's why I always tell people that maybe don't know much about hockey, that the Stanley cup is hands down the hardest trophy to win in sports. It's not even close. Yeah. You know, I, th- I think, I think back looking at your career, um, I think back to you and those ducks, those duck teams, um, mm-hmm. man, you guys are so good, man. You were right there. I mean, yeah, it just goes to show, man, even if you're one of the top two, three best teams in the show, like, it's just never guaranteed. That was yeah. the year that, you know, you and I had talked quite a bit about it. We were like, man, this is it. This is the year. You guys yeah. had a squad, man. Yeah, no, you're right. And, and I, that's probably the one that really probably eats at me the most still. Yeah, I know it is. The year 2015, I think it was, when we lost to uh, the Blackhawks in Game 7. Uh, they ended up winning the Stanley Cup that year. And, you know, I've been to the conference finals two other times. You know, one with Tampa, we lost to Boston in 7 but we probably shouldn't have been there at that. We like, we probably shouldn't have gone that far. We did. And we had a chance, but the year 
with Anaheim in 2015. I look back at our team, oh, our moves, you know, everything. If you from top to bottom, we had it. We had the whole recipe for winning a Stanley Cup, and and we we initially, you know, it's funny. I talked to Bob Murray the other day, who was our general manager uh, of Anaheim at the time, and he said he's like, um, we had him on the ropes the whole series. We we outplayed him. Um, it was just. They had some game breakers. They had a couple of guys named Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane that, um, <laughs> you know, that kind of, you know, can just change a game like like that. And uh, yeah, that one was tough because, you know, you look back on chances that you've had, and you hear older guys talk about, you know, you only get so many chances in the league to, you know, to go far and to win, and it's true. You know, it's it goes by fast. And um, at the same time, though, it's you know something I'll never forget is playing in those long playoff runs and being you know, getting to be a part of some serious, you know, competitive games. So, um, I mean, I'm, but I'm just excited to watch and be a fan of it uh, because I know exactly how it feels. So it's, it's definitely fun to watch. Awesome. What was your favorite uh, conference to play in? When, you, you know, you play for a pretty much a collection of teams, Western Conference, <laughs> Eastern Conference. What was your favorite what? conference to play in? Our collection, that's a nice way to put it. Um, <laughs> a collection. Uh, yeah, you could say it was a collection. Um, you know, that, that's a tough question. Um, I think there's pros and cons of both Western and Eastern Conference. I mean, Eastern Conference to travel is uh, so much easier. You know, when I was playing in Philly and New York and places like that, in that division, you're essentially sleeping in your own bed every night. Um where in the West, you know, you're going a little bit longer trips. Um, you're gone longer, you're at home longer. It's just, it's just different. But I, I think, you know, just maybe in the West, you're, you know, getting this, you know, hit all the California places and all the, <laughs> all the good spots out West, Dallas, all those places where in the East, you know, you're playing in maybe more uh, uh, traditional markets like Montreal and Toronto uh philly obviously um you could go through the whole list so i don't know if it was a more of a favor for me because i feel like throughout my career i kind of went like back and forth i was like west east i don't know i could you know back to the east back to the west so for me it's kind of they just both have their pros and cons and i mean i can't really say one was better than the other because you know it's the nhl and getting to play anywhere in the nhl is pretty awesome so yeah totally i mean yeah um I, we, you and I have spoken quite a bit about it. You're, you, you absolutely love the city of Philadelphia and the, the city loved you. Um, you, you, you kind of fit the brand of a Philadelphia player um, and you enjoy the city. You know, some guys aren't really cut out to be in those type of blue collar, really tough cities where they're really, you know, they're really, really passionate. Um, but in your opinion, I mean, honestly, and I know this is a Flyers podcast, but, you know, obviously you've played in Philly and you loved it there. You loved your time, but. What compares as far as playing in Philly compared to playing for the Ducks and living in Newport? Because I've seen your setups in Newport, and they were by no means. Uh, <laughs> I mean, what? How how nice was that? Oh, I mean, like I said, I'm. Well, let's just put it this way, Flowers. You know, I I live in California now, so I mean, sure that 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 answers your question. I I got traded from yeah. Tampa to Anaheim, and since I've been traded to California, I haven't left. Um, so it's just different. I mean. Philly is, like you said, a blue-collar place. People are passionate about their sports teams. And when I say passionate, they are borderline crazy. 
which is not <laughs> a bad thing. I, I, I embraced it. I loved it. I think being from, being from a place like Alaska, from like Anchorage, Alaska, it's obviously not as big as the city, but the people there are very blue collar and work hard and, you know, appreciate hard, you know, good, uh, hard work, hard work ethic. So for me, it was easy to kind of um, embrace myself into it with Philly um, just because that's kind of the person I am, kind of the player I was. So it was, it, it was, it was a place for me that was, I enjoyed it. Even, you know, even though Philly fans can be pretty rough and they were with us at times, it was, uh, it was a fun experience for me. And, and, and to, I guess to compare with Anaheim and Philly, it's just not really comparable. I mean, Anaheim, you're, um, yeah, yeah. it's just different. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're going to the rink. You're going to the rink in shorts and flip flops and a t-shirt uh, in December, so just a different, just oh, a different vibe. Nice. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty nice. Um, I also wanted to ask. I know it's a kind of a broad question considering the fan base, the coaching, the location, teammates, performance. But you played for nine different NHL teams. What was your favorite? I know it's a hard question considering Ooh, there's a lot of factors. In that there. is a tough one. That's you really can. You don't have to see the Flyers. We won't get hurt. But it's fair. No, I was just going to say the same thing. <laughs> no, the, flyers, the Flyers are in, in, in probably my top three. I, I think it's hard for me to say my favorite place because I I played in some great spots. Like in my opinion, I think every player should experience uh, playing in Canada at some point in their career. Um, to be able to play on, you know, I played in three different Canadian cities, but to be able to play in a place like Montreal, like. You know, that's a once in a lifetime experience um, playing for original six team with their history and uh, their fan base was something like that. I feel blessed that I was able to to be able to say that I'm, uh, you know, I'm a part of the Habs alumni. It, it's it's pretty cool. So I'd say Montreal is in there. I'd say Philly's probably in there, too, just because, you know, if you I think I grew up right like I grew up a, a Detroit Red Wings fan. And at the same time, I was, you know, you follow the Flyers. I follow Eric Lindros and uh, Legion of Doom and, and just all, all that era. So for me, when I got to play for the Flyers, I initially associated with that from those days. And I think that's probably why they're up there. And then I, after that, I mean, it's I mean, tough. You Boston sick. I, yeah, I've I, 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 I played some great cities, you know, and, and then even the warm places, you know, I, I look back in Tampa and Anaheim specifically yeah. just because we yeah, had really a lot good of different factors. I know it's a hard question. A but lot of different factors. So, like I said, I need I can't the answers. <laughs> no, I, I've been asked that I don't know how many times people always ask me, well, where, where was your favorite place to play? And I'm like, honestly, I, I don't know. It's, it's yeah, tough. Really. Hey, Tom. Hey, Tomer, who was more excited when you signed with the Flyers, me or you? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Probably Jumping there. up and down. I think, I think oh, I went nuts. I went yeah. nuts. We had a good time. I got time traded that. there for Montreal sure. that year. He was, uh, yeah, it was, that was awesome. It was fun. Yeah. That was, that was great. Yeah. So in the 2019, 2020, when you became a flyer, um, everything yeah. kind of went down when, you know, bubble hockey took precedence during the uh, Stanley yeah. Cup uh, playoffs. What was it like? playing you know kind of in that bubble hockey and what do you remember about the flyers locker room kind of during that time so when i got traded to philly um 
you know, as you guys know, that year they were very good. We were very good. I mean, I got traded there, and I think we were in the midst of a four or five game winning streak, and then we ended up ripping off, I think, nine games in a row while I was there. And this is where I was really introduced to Flyers fans was we were winning a game two to one at home against Buffalo. I think we just won eight in a row. This was about to be our ninth. And we're on the power play. We're winning two one. I think it's like end of the first period. And we can't get the puck in the zone. And the fans are booing us. And I'm like, <laughs> what the f- is going on? I'm like, we're on a nine game heater right now. And you guys are booing us because we can't get through. I was like, okay. They are, uh, they're, they're tough yeah. on their teams. That's for sure. Um, but that was a, that was an interesting season, you know, obviously because um, right around that time I got traded to, you know, two or three weeks later, COVID hit. And then we're playing in the bubble a couple months later. And it's something that I'll never, ever, that no one will ever experience again. Um, what I remember is, you know, you're with the guys a lot. You know, we were in a hotel for, what, almost, I think we were there for a little over two months, or right around two months. Um, you're basically just going from the hotel to the rink. You know, you're playing in front of no fans. Um, so really, I mean, it was it was tough for that. But I think once you kind of, once we got in a rhythm and you're, you know, at the end of the day, you're playing hockey. And, you know, it's the same thing with or without fans on the, on the ice when you're, when you're playing in the playoffs. So it was pretty, uh, it was a pretty good experience. I mean, to be able to play in something like that and to, not only that, but like be around other teams in the same hotel when you're getting ready to play against them, or even, I mean, I've told Larry this before, you know, when we had, I think, was it that uh, 10 days before the playoffs start where all the teams that had, a, had the bye and they just played the round robin, which we were one of them, and you're in the hotel with, you know, other guys, other players, and you're getting to see you know, Sidney Crosby every day, Alexander Ovechkin every day, and all these different, like, superstars, Pasternak and all these guys, and you're just kind of hanging out in the same uh, areas as them, and you're getting to know other guys from different teams. I mean, that's something that will never happen again, ever. Um, so I'll say that it was, uh, looking back on it, that, you know, there were some cons about it with, uh, with you know, being stuck in a hotel for that long. But, I mean, to be able to be – with your teammates for that long playing in the playoffs. Um, and we had a great group. I, I honestly thought we, um, I thought we had a good chance. I thought we had a chance to, uh, you know, to win that year. Um, just, you know, didn't work out, but um, it, it's something that that'll never happen again. And it was definitely a once in a lifetime experience. That's for sure. Lots, lots of texting and FaceTime in the boys, huh? Lots of people back home, friends. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of, uh, yeah. A lot of, a lot of meals ordered to the hotel and just, you know, cause there was only, I think there were, I think there's two restaurants in the hotel, two mm-hmm. or three. And so you just kind of on repeat, same stuff every day. So eventually it's order out and it's just, yeah, it was, it was interesting, but um, it was quite the experience. And I was going to uh, say as a kind of a question on top of that, still having to do with the bubble. Um, how much, did Limblom's return kind of uplift the spirits of the team during uh, during a playoff push? Yeah, that was huge. I mean, just just to have um, just to have Oscar. I remember he was just practicing with us, uh, and when we came back from 
uh, little, little pause. We had, we had our little mini training camp before we went to the bubble. You know, it was brought up. It was brought up by, by AV, by Elaine Vigneault talking about, you know, we got to do our part and, and then Oscar can join us. And, you know, he, man, like the kid worked his ass off, you know, he was practicing skating in the bubble, working out, um, you know, with a smile on his face the whole time. And then we had no idea that he was going to be that close and, and to have him just, you know, even, I think more than anything, having him around on the ice in practice was a huge win and for him to play in a game in the Stanley Cup playoffs after going through what he went through was, yeah, it was extremely uplifting for our team. Uh, to have him in the lineup was was awesome. And, and the ovation, you know, you kind of wish in that instance that were fans around where he could got the, you know, the proper ovation that he deserved. But um, still, it was it was awesome to see and have him back with us. Yeah, they, they did something really, really special. Tom, I don't, I'm not sure if you know it. Um, I believe it was this year, right, Eric? Um, they did something real nice for him when they when the when the Sharks were in town playing the Flyers. Yeah, they um, I th- I, they usually do a uh, a small video feature at least yeah. ways back. But you know, all Philadelphia is ever is forever going to love Limblom. So yeah, sure. like every single yeah. time he's back, it's just like it's his house, you know. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Now, as uh, as far as yeah, and kind of to piggyback off that, Tomer, because uh, obviously we talk Flyers hockey here, um, yeah. you know, every week, every other week, and um, Flyers fans go a little bit crazy as they should. They're a little disappointed, yeah, but you know, course. there's there's a lot of factors. I something I always talk about, you know, as a sports fan, someone that's someone that understands sports a little bit, and especially in the hockey world, we talked about it earlier. Luck is so important. Um, injuries, staying healthy. I mean, the teams that stay the healthiest usually have the best chance to continue to move forward. And the yeah. Flyers certainly got the injury bug early and, you know, losing Ellis before you can really even start to really uh, settle in as a Philadelphia Flyer was huge. You don't have your captain. Um, you know, even connect, uh, TK's losing, missing a lot of time. I mean, this, this team has gotten the injury bug unlike a lot of teams in the NHL. So, I mean – you got to take the, the good with the bad, but I, I'll tell you one thing, Tom, and you and I have spoken about this quite a bit. I'll tell you, I watched this Flyers team. There is no lack of effort. That's a guarantee. And that, nope. that's one thing that as a Flyers fan, you have to really appreciate towards and what he's brought in the, and, and he, his expectations as far as energy levels concerned. And, you know, I think you, you put the right pieces together. You know, you may not need all the greatest superstars in the world. I mean, obviously they help when it matters most, um, especially on a power play, but you get the right pieces together, guys that can, that 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 play play better under that type of leadership that that yeah. like to be yeah. pushed. You know, I, I know myself as a young athlete. I preferred the coaches that I hated that were that pushed me. Um, but I, I do think Torts is also the right piece for the for the Philadelphia Flyers moving forward, and and hopefully they can figure out a way to get healthy and get the right pieces in place. And maybe maybe they're not as far off as everyone thinks they are. I agree with that. I, I I don't think they're as far as off as people. I don't think I don't think they necessarily have to blow this thing up completely because no, you look at some of the, you you look at some of the players that they have. I mean, Cam Atkinson, one of them. I mean, he had a great year for yeah, us. Yeah, he hasn't. And we were not not good. You know, he had a great yeah. year. Um, you had you know you mentioned TK. I mean, he was having a great season this year, and then he ran in the injury bug. And I mean, you know who we haven't talked about at all is Sean Couturier. I mean, he's two oh. years he's two years removed from winning from winning the Selkie. Um, so you have a guy like that in your lineup where, I mean, that guy is a bona fide two hundred foot player that can do everything. And you add some of these guys into your lineup, and then maybe you add a couple young guys that are taking the next step. 
Uh, you look at the decor, I mean, Travis Sanheim, I, I think, is going to be a real good defenseman for a long time, but I don't know what they're going to be able to do with different guys with trades and um, contracts and things like that. But you do have you do have the pieces there. It's not like... It's not like we they're they're playing an American League team and they're you know they're totally. struggling to find guys. They have the pieces. It's just managing. It's going to be managing contracts. It's going to be managing the draft and which guys they can bring up to kind of bring, come through the core because you're seeing guys like Noah Cates and Owen Tippett and I, yeah, some of these guys. Yeah, you just had yeah. a Patrick the day. Yeah, and you you just see some of these guys that are kind of taking the next steps. So, you know that's that's how you win. These young guys come up, they kind of start feeling, feeling really good about themselves. And then these older guys, and it just kind of kind of comes together. And you have a guy like Carter Hart and that, where I think we know, I mean, I don't know what the rumors are. They're talking about him moving him, but they, yeah, I saw that. Not, I don't think that's they true. Should not, I, not. I hope that's not true. No, they won't. They right. Not. There's no way they're moving him. Not yeah, a chance. I mean, no. Carter Hart is, is your guys as a goalie and will be for a long time. So, I think you look at it from that point of view, and if you're a Flyers fan, I know you're very impatient and you want this thing to be fixed or you want, or you want Connor Bedard or what, whatever it is, but you, you, this team's not far off. And with Torps, like you said, Larry, like I, wa- I watch a lot of their games, and they're in a lot of games and against good All teams too. Yeah. And they play extremely hard. They play the right way, and you, know, you start doing that over – course of this season you go into training camp next year they have, they all have that same habits and you, you never know you just you, you never know i mean things can change like that i mean you, you look at some, some teams this year i mean look at the uh the new jersey devils this year i mean no totally. one expected them to be what they are totally. this year look at them now. yeah those guys picking them there's i think obes is picking them to win the mug or something i mean there's a lot yeah it, guys some, guys are all over them yeah it doesn't take long it really doesn't um if you do it right and and, and they're able to like Tort said, make some subtractions for some additions, you know? Yeah. Nate, what was the, uh, what would you say was the best leader that you played for? Like maybe it could be a captain, it could be an alternate. And what was the locker room like with Drew, with uh, Katuria even, and also Provorov as your, as part of the leadership group? Um, to answer your first question, I think uh, two guys come off the top of my head right away. It's uh, Marty St. Louis. And Ryan gets left. Um, I think I knew you were gonna say that. I say yeah. I, I I say Marty because Marty had such a huge influence on me uh, at the time, and I was you know still in my role as a fourth line guy, penalty kill, face off, all those things. But Marty, he had this way of instilling this confidence in you, where he would tell you, you know, you are those things, but you can be better. You can, you can do more outside of your role. I mean, just because you are a fourth line guy and you're center, you win faceoffs. Why can't you make a big play? Why can't you score a big goal? And he had that way of of instilling that in all of our guys on the team, where you know he just gave you confidence about yourself. And he was such a hard worker. I mean, on and off the ice. I mean, in practice, he's going 100 miles an hour, um, and he's the oldest guy in the team. You know, I remember the year, the short lockout season. I think he was. 37, 38, and he was leading. He was leading the league in points. Um, you know, so he was just an ultimate competitor, and it just rubbed off on the rest of the guys in the locker room. And then as Ryan Getzlaff too, I think Ryan Getzlaff, um, Getz, he was he just had such a presence about him, and he played uh, he played extremely hard. Where he was a guy that I mean, 
mean, I'm, as you guys know, I mean, he wasn't afraid to drop the gloves. He wasn't afraid to, um, you know, grab another guy in the team, run another guy in the team, you know, and he had this presence about him where uh, he would just come in a room and kind of take a look at all of us. And we knew, we knew exactly what he was thinking, um, how we needed to, you know, get going. Sometimes he was coming in and he would, he wasn't afraid to call a guy out either. I mean, there's a lot of guys that are, that are leaders that are uncomfortable in those situations where they have to maybe call a guy out and gets, he was not afraid to do it. And he was, but he was good about it in a way where he'd pull a guy aside too at the same time. So those really kind of uh, stick out in my head. I think just for me in my career, just because they had the biggest impact on me. Um, and then to answer your question about Coots, Coots and G, um, you know, having G in the locker room, I mean, both those guys, just with how much G has done over the course of his career. I mean, you look at all the big games he's played in, how many points he's scored in this league, um, you know, what he did for Philadelphia. Uh, he was the same thing. I mean, G, G was just one of those guys, I feel like, in big in the biggest games, he would come up with the biggest plays or the biggest goal or, or whatever it was. He was just one of those guys, or he is one of those guys. Uh, so to have, like, I, I think it was so good for – just in my time there, it's just, you know, you could see Coots kind of develop into that uh, captain role because of just being around G. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I've been lucky. I've been lucky to be around some great leaders in my career and just getting to just soak up what these guys say and just listen. Um, yeah, I've been extremely lucky for sure. Um. Tomer, real quick, I mean, you and I talked nonstop for God knows how many years about your great home state of Alaska. Um, yeah. It's a place that I plan on going very soon and uh, visiting. Um, talk to us a little bit about growing up in Alaska, playing in Alaska, some of the great players that have come out of, of the great state of Alaska. I mean, I, I have the privilege of saying that in, you know, in, in uh, 90, what was it, 94, I played in the national championships against uh, – against Alaska and uh, Scotty Gomez was on that team. He's obviously one of your really, really good friends. He's a very good friend of mine as well. Um, yeah. And just, just anyone I've ever met that's from Alaska, um, they're usually all beauties and, and good people. But, you know, talk, talk to us a little bit about the state of hockey in Alaska and what it means to the state. Uh, it's, it's a special place. I mean, I look back and I, I, I'm lucky, man. I, I'm lucky I get to say that I was born and raised there um, to be able to, you know, all my – best friends, all my good buddies I grew up with all still live there. Um, it was just a great place to grow up as a kid. I mean, ho hockey was, you know, both my parents, my dad's from Ohio and my mom is from Trinidad. So there was no hockey background either on either side of my parents. Uh, so when I, they were in Alaska, um, you know, my dad, the only thing my dad really knew about hockey was he the first time he was really introduced to it, he told me was, was the 1980 miracle team. And that's what really got him into it. And then from then on, when we, when we moved up to Alaska, he got super into it. And the, uh, the university of Alaska Anchorage, UAA, the Seawolves, uh, was our college team up there. And for that, for me, the college team was like, that was like my NHL team. Like we had, like, we were part of the booster club. Like we had season tickets. I was like, you know, getting autographs from these guys thinking they were like, the best ever and for me that was just kind of what brought my love to hockey and you know growing up uh, um you know you know getting to play outside and 
Um, we were having practice in the morning at like 9 a.m. and then right after practice going right over to this outdoor rink and skating outside for five, six hours after having practice in the morning. You know, being able to do things like that with your buddies growing up in a place like Alaska was was special. And then being able to, you know, once the, the hockey season's over, the snow's away, it's time to go fishing. And, you know, you're fishing in these beautiful places that I really didn't understand, obviously, until I left Alaska and came back and, you know, I bring friends up and I'll bring Larry up uh, pretty soon here. And, and they're like looking at this just vast, beautiful place. And I'm like, holy shit, I'm from here, you know? So to be able to grow up in Alaska and say that I'm from Alaska, then you look at some of the players that have come out of Alaska, like, you know, you see mentioned Scott Gomez. I mean, he's for sure the guy as far as coming out of Alaska, winning two Stanley Cups and everything he's done. Uh, but then you have, you know, Matt Carl, um, who played for the Flyers as well, uh, who we, I got to play with in Tampa, which was, you know, one of the most special things I've ever done. I mean, we grew up playing on the same team our whole lives and then getting to play on the same NHL team for two years. Is something. Yeah, it's 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 wild. You know, you, you, you don't get to do that ever. And we got to do that. Um, you know, Brandon Dubinsky, uh, there's – Joey Crab. I mean, there's a bunch of guys. I mean, Ty Conklin. I mean, I can name a list of guys that were regular NHL household names. And um, to make the NHL from, you know, not a huge population in Alaska, uh, it's pretty cool. And something I'm definitely proud of. I mean, we, I know you've been around Gomer more than once, Flowers, and he's a oh, extremely yeah. proud Alaskan, as we all are. So uh, it was uh, it's just, you it's know, awesome. for, for, yeah. I, Gomer, I, I gotta, I gotta just say this. He, he's, he's certainly one of the most interesting people I've ever met in my entire life. Truly, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you've ever, if you, if you, if if you ever walked into a professional athlete's home, um, you probably don't expect um, an incredibly large library of books from all different types of, um, you know, genres and whatnot. Um, he's an incredibly yeah. well-read. Um, he's, he's, he's a musician. Um, He's just a real salt of the earth, organic type of guy. He's really funny. He's really smart. Um, you know, he even went as far as, and uh, Tom, right now, you know, he's uh, he's got one of the sickest pads I've ever been in in, in New York City, Manhattan. Oh, yeah. You walk in and you think you are literally in Alaska. I mean, he redid the whole inside wood, you know, wood, <laughs> the wood rails and like the pictures. I mean, you think you're in a log cabin, cabin deep and yeah, it's so <laughs> cool, man. He is yeah. he is one of the coolest guys, man, I've ever met. My he's hilarious. Yeah, and I think that's part of it, and I learned that from from Gomer. Is you know, I think it's that's still that blue collar hard work. Um, you know, we just we don't lose our roots being from Alaska, right? It's it's like you guys. Yeah, are, it's it's, it, it's, yeah. it's it's the same thing you guys being from Philly. You know, you don't lose your roots. You don't lose. You don't forget where you came from, and um, that's I mean that's what he is too. I mean, you like you said, yeah. you walk into his this basically penthouse in new york city and it didn't you feel like you're walking into a log cabin in the middle of alaska so it just goes to show you right there um what it was like growing up in alaska and how and how like a, how how cool it is to say i'm from there i mean it's uh, it's oh. an awesome place it's, it's still a place i go home i go home as i visit every summer i still like to do my fishing and see all my buddies and do all those things because it's just a special special place yeah, I, I don't I don't even know exactly how many years we've been friends, but it's been a long time, a lot of years. Long. But some of my favorite things to do with you is, is as you know, is to talk about Alaska and some of the yeah. things that you like to do on your personal time, your fishing trips. And 
um, I'm a, I, I, I really appreciate the state of Alaska and where you come from. And uh, I think that's, uh, I think that's really, really cool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, well is it true that if you move to yeah. Alaska, they give you a $2,000 stipend? If you're a resident, yeah, there's a, there's, yeah. A thing, there's a thing called the permanent fund where they, if you're a resident of the state of Alaska, all the oil money that they make, they basically put it together, they budget it, and they give it back to all the residents a certain a certain amount of check every year. It, it it fluctuates every year, but yeah, I mean it can be upwards of two two grand sometimes for each each resident in Alaska. So yeah, you start obviously as a baby, you get it. As soon as you're alive, you oh, get wow. that. Yeah, so nice. That's so. But there's a lot of things that go go along with moving to alaska though i mean you're yeah i bet <laughs> for two thousand dollars i'm not sure i'm ready to do yeah it I, don't know, I, don't, I don't know it's the easiest place to live in the winter time so <laughs> oh yeah, i can't imagine uh, winter yeah winters winters are tough and they're long so yeah it's uh catch 22 i guess i was uh checking out the death row uh I'm sorry. I was checking out the Death Row Records shirt, and I was going to ask, is Eminem in the top <laughs> 25 rappers? Because I saw this on Twitter, and if someone said easily, Eminem say, is not in the top 25 rappers. Is Eminem in the top 25? You said yeah, top 25. Tom knows is in top five. Yes, sir. Okay. See, I was cool with that. I was going to say uh, 12 to 7, and I really had to stretch. To, I'm sorry, not 12 to 7. Uh, 12 to 17. I was, I was. I really had to stretch to find people and you know, become really picky about it. But someone said easily not in their top 25. I'm like, that lives rent free in my head. So as soon as I saw that, I had to ask. Well, Tomer's got, no, some, I think, Tomer's I think. got some sick connects uh, through Death Row and, and Snoop's team and stuff. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if you want to touch on that just for a little for a little bit. But uh, yeah, Tomer's, he's dialed, man. Yeah, uh, one of my the, good the friends. The person I was yeah. talking to, they were like, oh, uh, Redman is ahead of Eminem. And I was like, well, I know Eminem looks up to Redman, but I feel like you can look up to somebody and still be better than him. So I put Edmund, uh, Eminem in front of Redman. Like, there was a bunch yeah, of that kind of stuff in between. I'm like, I don't know about that, man. I know Larry appreciates hip-hop a lot. I, I would I would say Larry would probably put Eminem in his top five, too, I would think. Right? Eminem's in my top three. It's not even close. And he yeah, might even be go. one. Exactly. There you go. So that answer your question, and I'm on the same part with him. I mean, no, I mean one of my buddies works for works for Snoop, and um, yeah, I get some of the Death Row gear. Uh, but yeah, I got Snoop some good is, stuff on too. Thanks to you. I mean, Snoop's up there too. I mean, that guy's still doing it at his age, and he's been doing it for a long time. So, I mean, I, I think those guys in that rap, that rap, and that '90s rap era, those guys are the OGs. So it's tough, but I will say Eminem for sure is in top five. That guy. Oh yeah is a talent for sure. I wanted to dive into mental health. I know you're really passionate about it. I know you talked about it before, but also with injury, I know it's one thing as a fan, you know, a player gets hurt and you just hope for a speedy recovery. But as a player, we don't even know what goes on behind closed doors, how hard that is, because I'm sure it's so tough. Can you kind of talk about that a little bit? Um, Maybe even like the toughest injury you had as a player? No, that's the, that's a great question because I don't think people do realize that the injury part of the game can be tough and it can be isolating and it can be just mm-hmm. honestly I think every player they'll tell you that the the physical part's the easy part you know the rehabbing all that stuff it's the mental part that's that's the biggest grind because um, more times than not when you're injured you're away from the team you know you're not traveling with the guys you're going to the rink at different times you're doing rehab at different times. 
And for myself, you know, I've, I've had like three major surgeries. I've had my shoulder done twice and I ruptured my Achilles once and, and, and I was completely away from the team for months. Wow. So when you're away from the team and you're kind of in this, like, I wouldn't say rut, but, you know, it's a little bit of Groundhog Day of rehab. And if you guys have ever done rehab, it's very monotonous with some of the stuff that you're doing. You know, and you're so used to being with the guys and going on the road and all these things where it can, yeah, it can, it can put you in a dark, in a dark space. Um, so I do think that, you know, with certain coaches and I, and I think the league and, and certain teams and certain coaches have gotten better about that because, you know, there was the old school of way if, you know, if you're injured, you weren't allowed to be around the team. You weren't allowed to be around the guys. You weren't around, allowed to talk to anybody. You know, it was just like you were just totally removed from everything. Where now I think some coaches are being better about that because they know that the the mental health part of it can affect guys in a big way. And, and um, I think it's important. I, I think that, uh, you know, injuries are, are, are tough and you want to make sure that, you know, guys are still being included and guys are still knowing that they're part of the team in situations like that. Right. Um, when you go to the rink, you know, for practice and treatment and such, is mental health something that, is kind of like a resource or do you think that should be a resource if it's not for players, you know, going for practice, working on their body? Just curious. You know, it's a good question. I, I think it's starting to become more of um, more of a role in, in the game. I, I know, you know, my time with the Kings, um, even now they have, they have somebody that guys can talk to and teams are starting to, um, incorporate that into the organization and you're seeing it, it's kind of changing now and, and it didn't used to be like that you know you don't I mean as you guys know it's you know where we're where we're at in our society now it's a lot more accepted than it was let's say 10-15 years ago where right. people weren't really talking about how they're feeling or what's going on or if they're you know maybe just you know what uh I don't feel good today you know, no one, no one was saying that. I feel like when I first came to the league, and there was nothing uh, as a resource to really dive into it. But now, it's now I would say it's definitely a resource for guys. And guys usually in most teams have somebody or someone they can reach out and talk to. Um, because at the end of the day, I mean, guys are. I mean, yeah, we're players, and guys are getting paid lots of money. And yeah, we're lucky to be playing in the NHL, but we're still humans, right? They're still dealing with same day-to-day shit everyone else deals with um so just that's just something to remember and i think it's it's getting better and i think you're just seeing in our society it's getting better as well that's good that's awesome i also wanted to ask about i know you were very open about your sobriety Uh, i believe it's been six years correct and i know you said that it's something you work out every day it's not just you get to an end goal sort of thing um can you talk a little bit about becoming the best version of yourself, um, what you learn the most about yourself, not even as a player, but as an individual? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I look at it as probably one of my biggest accomplishments, um, probably bigger than me making the NHL, just because of how profound it's been for me and my life and how it's changed my life. I mean, Larry knew me before I got sober, and now he knows me now, six years later. Um, and there's definitely a difference in me uh, from the time that I got sober until now. I mean, I, I'm not saying it's, it's been all like, you know, I got sober and everything has gone great. I mean, that's just not life, you know, life happens, uh, day to day people go through things, but I'm able to go through things a lot easier now being sober. Um, there's things that I've learned 
over the course of my sobriety being having six years that helped me, you know, get through hardship or get through stuff that I probably wasn't going to be able to get through or get through gracefully when I was drinking and using. So uh, it's been a huge, huge part of my life. It's helped help myself with, you know, relationships. And um, I mean, I certainly wouldn't have played as long as I have or as long as I did in the NHL if I wasn't sober. I, I say, I'll say that now. I mean, if I didn't get sober, I would have been done a lot quicker than that and probably wouldn't have been playing for the Flyers. So um, a big part of my career and everything that's come to fruition is definitely part of my sobriety. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that as well. Yeah, um, Tom, I can, I, I can, real quick, I can say, uh, you know, I, I've, I've told you this a million times. We've had a lot of very deep conversations, you and I, but, uh, yeah. you know, on the record for the Flyers fans listening out there, from someone that knows you personally, um, the man you've become, especially in this last six years, is uh, – it, it's something that everyone should strive to want to be as far as working on things that, you know, they feel that they need to, you know, make better in their lives, whether it's personal or work or relationships. But um, I know this was uh, this was a really important thing for you. And as one of your best boys, um, I'm really, really proud of you. You've become the best version of yourself. And I'm really happy for you. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate that. My boy. I think it's great just for anyone listening as well. If they're going through the same thing or, whether they're a player as well, maybe a Flyers players listening to this right now. I'm sure the younger yeah. guys. Um, but I correct me if I'm wrong, but I heard you have the nickname Uncle Nate from other yeah players. I got that. Yeah, I got that nickname when I was playing in Montreal because uh, when I was playing, you know, Shea Weber they called uh, Dad when I was playing there, and so <laughs> when I got when I got traded there, I'm I'm, I'm actually older than 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 Webby is, not by much, but I am. So they didn't, they couldn't call me dad. So they called me uncle Nate and, uh, that kind of stuck there. So even, even like the media, people were calling me uncle Nate and it was, uh, it kind of, it kind of took a, a life of its own while I was in Montreal. Nice. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a good nickname for sure. Awesome. Awesome interview, buddy. Yeah. That, is, that, is that all she wrote? No, I think that's all. That's all she wrote. I have no more questions about death row records and you know. Alaska. No more questions. <laughs> yeah, on the um, current team, any strong players? Obviously, there's a bunch. Tippett just getting the you know the hat trick. Yeah. Are there any strong players that you see now and you're like, wow, they're doing they're doing a good job, or that you see that yeah. they're getting you know better and better? Yeah, I think you look at um, like I think you know. Joel Faraby, he's he hasn't had the year. He hasn't had the year that I think that everyone expected. And um, but I mean, you see what Joel Faraby has done, and you've seen his kind of his his potential. I mean, you could add him. I mean, I look at Noah Cates and just how smart of a player he is. I think he's going to be a guy that I think you need to keep in that core group for a long time. I think he's going to be a really important piece. Uh, Morgan Frost is another one. Um, you know, seeing these guys kind of start to take off a little bit under torts. I mean, Wade Allison is another one. I mean, there's, there, like I said, there's a lot of good pieces uh, within that within that team and organization. And and another kid they brought up, uh, Tyson Forrester. I mean, yeah. they do have some good young prospects and some guys coming up and some guys that are playing now that are going to be good players. And like I said, you supplement them with some good veterans. You draft well. You know, you add free agents here and there. I mean, 
things that GMs are, you know, every GM's trying to do in this league. It's, it's, it takes a little bit of time, but I think that, uh, I think Danny B is going to do a good job. Um, you know, he's been working at this and been working his way up for a while now. And he's, you know, he's, uh, he's put in his time. So I, I think he's, he's going to have his hands full. That's for sure. Uh, that whole management's going to have their hands full. They got a lot of hard decisions to make. Um, but I think, I think that they're going in the right direction. People may not think they are, but I think they are going in the right direction, uh, especially having torts behind the wheel. I think that helps as well. What's the kind of impact that playing for a few different head coaches would have on a player? Like we've seen Ristolainen when he came in to the, to the Flyers. He, his first season uh, didn't you know, really catch on, but this season's vast improvements. I think um, on, the, on, the, on the flip side of that, we're seeing a little bit what might be if uh, Tony D'Angelo doing the same thing or any Tortorella might take a year for him to adjust. Do you see that kind of development um, amongst a lot of players that are going from team to team or coach to coach? Yeah, it, there's always a transition phase, I think. Whenever whenever, whenever a player comes from another team, um, you know, it takes time to get comfortable. It takes it takes the time. I mean, some players it takes a year. Some guys it takes a couple months. I mean, who knows? I mean, it just, it just depends on the player, but you're seeing it with – I mean, I know for me, I, you know, my game never really changed and I, I got moved around a lot, uh, but it does. I, I know like feeling comfortable within the room, feeling comfortable with the guys, you know, the way that the coach, um, you know, how he has his game plan, whatever it is, it, it, sometimes it takes some time. And I, I think in my opinion, I, I, I kind of expected this to happen with the Flyers this year. I think you're expecting to see that with Torts. Uh, it was his first year coming in. Uh, you knew he was going to make splashes at certain times in the season, whether it was within the media or healthy scratching a guy. He was going to send a message. I mean, that's John Tortorella. But I think after this first year, I think you're going to see the team kind of start to go up and up. And um, I think guys are going to be more comfortable. And I think – I think it just takes some time sometimes with certain guys and you know you see it you see it on different teams when guys get traded you know sometimes they you know you look at a guy like patrick kane he got traded to the rangers everyone thought he was going to light it up right well it's taking it's taking a little bit of time for him to get comfortable and, and play yep. his style of game I mean, the guy played his whole career in chicago and he gets traded to a new team and it's a lot of a lot of new things that people don't understand i mean it could be a simple thing as you know he ate the same pregame meal for what over a decade and now he's got to figure out okay this is weird i gotta go find somewhere else and i gotta eat something different and you know it sounds minuscule but for a hockey guy it it, it can be a big thing um so i think I with, uh, with the players what's that i wanted to ask you about that too just the adjustment yeah. as a player i mean if you get traded don't you have like 24 hours to to get up and go is that correct or you have like so little time yeah, yeah it's not even me, yeah so. i mean yeah i, mean, I can't imagine myself on player, so it's yeah no i mean yeah there's there's been times where i've been traded and it was it was uh i've been traded while i was on the road with a different team when i got traded montreal we were coming back from pre-game skate had to got traded in montreal went went up to my room and i was on a flight to montreal two hours later so i mean it wow. can be like that you know when i got traded to philly same thing i found out that morning and i was on a flight that afternoon in philly that night playing the next day so yeah that's what I say people understand it, it's a whirlwind i mean at the end of the day we're a commodity it's a, it's entertainment it's business and uh, we're just part of that business so 
you know, there are, there are some tough transitions, but it's, it's all part of it. Yeah. Tom, uh, Tom, a last question from me. Um, life after hockey, we staying in the game, we're getting the coaching. Right. What's that looking like? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I'll be definitely staying in the game. Um, I know you will. Myself in any, in any other role. Um, for me, it's probably something in hopefully player development I would like to move into. Um, I'm not sure if coaching's uh, what I want to do yet. I'd, like I said, it's, you know, life after hockey, there's so many things you can do and so many different job titles you can try out. And I kind of wanted to see, you know, where, where, how it goes for me in player development, if I can get a job like that. And, you know, I can always veer off to coaching if that's something that uh, seems enticing to me at the moment. But um, no, I mean, there's no question for me that, uh, you know, staying in the game is something that I want to do. I mean, I, I, I'm still kind of a, I always admit I'm still, I'm still kind of a hockey nerd and, um, you know, I still love watching the game. I still love talking about it. And um, it's just, uh, you know, that's, it's, it's been my whole life. So I don't, I don't know anything else. Don't be, don't be afraid to put them up for a year, bud. Just relax, watch them too, breathe a little. You don't have to put those ice bags on. You're not complaining to me how sore you are. Just relax, yeah. relax. Get in the hot tub, relax. Yeah, you can I mean, go visit thing, Scott Gomez's library. I mean, yeah, the yeah. only thing I would have stayed limber for, the only thing I've seen limber for is, is golf. That's one thing definitely I'll be Attaboy. doing a lot more of that. But um, the favorite. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, yeah, I mean, hockey, hockey is going to be, I mean, I, I'm a guy that I, I can't, like, I won't be able to take time off. Like, it'll be one of those things when I'm officially call it, it's like, I'm going to step right into something else. That's just me, who I am. So, um, yeah, I don't know if I could just sit, sit out for a year and just wait and just kind of hang out. It's just not me, but the hockey right. for sure, you, be, you, you know what I should be doing for sure will be post for me. That's no, no question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have another question too. It might be my last one as well. Um, if you could give your younger younger self as a player a piece of advice, um, you know, as an the individual you are now, what would that be? If you could think on something, maybe don't that another it, play. Don't take it for don't granted. That's it. That's all I would say. Is just don't take it for granted and soak up every second. Because I, I can honestly say there were times when. You know, when you're young, you think, oh, this is going to happen. This is going to go on forever. Um, you know, we went to a conference finals last year. We're going to get to do that every year. Um, that's not the case. It happens so fast. And I remember, yeah, I remember older guys telling me the same thing. This happens so fast. Enjoy every single second in this league because once it's done, it's done. And I think that's probably what I would tell my younger self is just to make sure that you enjoy every second and enjoy every moment of it because uh, it was – it was uh it was awesome to be able to play in the NHL. Thanks for coming on, bud. This hey, was great. For Long overdue. Thank you so much. No problem at all. Yeah, of hey, course. Thank you so much. This is fun. So much for watching the Flyers Nation show. Be sure to subscribe, follow along, check us out on YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. We will talk to you again next week.